Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are. I'm Ray Orsini, and joining me as always on MSP Community Live is Mr. Matt Topper. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing awesome. Uh, I hadn't told you before, but your mic sounds phenomenal, by the way. You sound great. Oh, thank you. I didn't change yeah, anything. I wonder what's different. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I meant to tell you a few episodes back, but you know, it sounds really good. So um, since we're always talking setups and stuff, figured we at least give you some <laughs> positive feedback because the uh, the never ending move this here, light this there, that's just never going to stop, as you've seen. So uh, never ending rearranging and challenge and rabbit hole, and never ending financial money pit as well. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's about right. The joys of uh, streaming and being on camera. So, right. uh, what have you been up to this past week? Uh, really, not too much. So, uh, a lot of meetings, a lot of prep for Connect is going on behind the scenes. So that okay. that's a big thing. Um, I don't want to turn this into a pitch or a promo, but I am super excited that the ConnectWise Microsoft stuff got announced, so that I, I can that. stop yeah. having to hold back on talking about that. That was really uh, selfish. Was very, very I, cool. We was... announced it on. Um, we just talked about it on MSP Dispatch uh, just before this episode, actually. Um, but why don't you fill people in on what that is? Because that's kind of a, a really cool thing. Yeah. So, <clears throat> ConnectWise and Microsoft are partnering up to try and bring better security overall to the channel. And one of the first steps towards that is an integration with Defender for Business and Defender for Endpoint with the ConnectWise SOC. And the, the value there is that so many partners and, and not just ConnectWise partners, so many businesses are already buying business premium that comes with Defender for Business or have Defender for Endpoint. And previously there weren't a lot of good SOCs around that offering. So that that's the main thing. It's a, a way to make use of some of the licensing you already have. And we see a lot of value in that. And we saw a lot of interest leading up to it. And in future, we see a lot of potential partner opportunities with Microsoft in, in similar vein as far as making better use of tools you're already paying for. Uh, so super cool. That, that's as far as I'll go. I won't turn this into a sales pitch or promo, but no, no, it's, um, good. It, it's cool to be able to talk about it because a lot of planning and a lot of input about this is what I would have wanted a couple of years ago as an MSP went into this and I'm excited that it's now come to fruition. Yeah, this was, this was something we talked about on dispatch. Tony and I, uh, were of the opinion, this is great for MSPs. Um, get that kind of visibility, uh, you know, that, that collaborative information exchange, um, between two enormous industries that affect our lives daily. I, I think that's, that that's going to be phenomenal for, MSPs and their clients across the globe, whether they're ConnectWise customers or not, it doesn't really matter at this point. Right. It's just an awesome <clears throat> amount of information um, being shared. So uh, yay for everybody. Um, so yeah. congrats on that. Yeah. So we have stuff. We have our, our stories on the Reddits. Uh, Kelvin posted this, what would you uh, tell an MSP starting today? Um, you had mentioned one too. I was trying to find it in the host chat and I couldn't find it. Um, I will post a link to it while we're talking about. I appreciate Kelvin's. that. So, uh, so let's get started with the Kelvin one while you're doing that. Um, if you're starting an MSP today, what would you tell an MSP starting today? And it's, he starts it. Hey, everyone working on and Kelvin also being a moderator of our MSP. Um, 
We're working on improving the quality of posts in our MSP that includes trying to tackle low effort posts we've all come to hate, but that repeat weekly. This time we're collecting your information about someone wanting to jump into our space, not really knowing where to start, what to do, and if they sh should. Most of the times these posts are met with, oh, this again. This post will be linked to those posts and the goal will be a giant mega thread. So what's your feedback? I want to start an MSP, Matt. Uh, should I? What should I do? What do I need to know? What's uh, what's your feedback there? I th <clears throat> I think the cool thing about this is that we're soliciting the community's feedback. And depending on who is asking, the answer might be you should or shouldn't start an MSP or you should do this or buy this or whatever. I'm majorly in support of trying to get conversations to be more productive and have something that's more readily available so that instead of having everyone post that this gets asked six times a week, actually have an answer for the things that gets asked six times a week so that the things that are posted are the new and interesting discussions. Um, right? I, I wouldn't even have, have an answer for what to tell you without knowing who's asking or what they've done before or what their background is, right? If you're a tech, I might say, maybe get some business experience or just have a plan or know what you're in for before going down this road, right? It's not all roses. And if you're primarily a, a business person, um, make sure that you understand the technical requirements and nuance of this. Um, so very context dependent, and, and I think what we'll get from this is a good repository of frequently supplied answers to ask and, and different paths and different ways that you can go when starting out. Hmm. So I think my first question would be, why? Why do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. um, you know, your motivations can definitely color your uh color your experiences and definitely, you know, if you have goals, you want to work toward them. Um, everybody has goals, whether they're overtly stated or inferred or just never, never stated publicly. You have goals. Everybody has goals, whether it's to make enough money to support yourself, enjoy yourself, whether it's to provide a good service to others, to fill a niche that uh, maybe is underserved. Everybody has goals, whatever it happens to be. I hate working for my boss. Maybe the goal. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, everybody has those goals. Yeah, it's a valid. Uh, yeah, but what I see everybody does not start with is a business plan. And that's probably where I would start. Um, it's one of those tools that gives you the plan of how to get to your goal. You're also going to very quickly identify your areas of weaknesses um, because you're going to struggle to fill those spots in on a business plan. Um and ideally, when you're done with the business plan, it doesn't have to be like a, a this tome. It could be a one page or two page. It's not a big deal. Um, and there's tons of templates out there from the SBA and from tons of other places. Um, but once you have the business plan, then you can start to identify what do I need? What roles do I not know how to fill? Do I backfill it with learning that, getting that knowledge? Or do I fill it with hiring somebody? If I'm going to hire somebody, how am I going to get the money to do that? Which is my order of priority in terms of hiring? All of that comes from a business plan. Really, really simple. Um, and one of the possible outcomes of doing a business plan is be like, this is way too much shit. I don't want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. That's, too. that's you know, um, and no, that's, that, that's a great point. It gets you into the mindset of, right? Because most MSPs were started by engineers who said, I want to go do this by my, not, not all, but the yeah, majority of them were of them. Yeah. techs who said, I want to go into business. And 
doing that formally gets you think, man, this is really what I'm in for. It's not just that one decision that uh, my boss made that I felt I could have made better. It's there's a lot that goes goes into running a business and getting an idea for what are you going to be in for if you do this? That's pretty valuable. It is. Um, and that's kind of my thing. It's like go into it and then at least at the very least when you're going into it, you know what you're expecting or because you're still going to have stuff that comes up that you weren't expecting. But this way you at least know what could come up um so i'm all for it uh let's see what some of the advice is Let, let's spoon this <laughs> I'm, i i'm i'm coining the uh spooner as a as a as a verb let's spoon it's a verb this. spoon it yeah uh how do you think the how do you think the sub responded i i think that we're going to get a lot of good advice on this one. I anticipate some responses along the lines of understand the business side under, you know, make your tool choices and stick with them. Um, I think this will be a thread that we as a community did a good job of <clears throat> being grounded on and didn't just get a bunch of joke or technical answers. I, um, I, I agree with you actually. Um, I've seen the sub move more towards better business conversations as opposed to just tech. Um, not always, uh, but I, I have seen the movement. Uh, so let's see what 10, 11,000 total viewers read uh, and some responded. Uh, happy data for Jesus, constant poster on the sub. Please search the sub. You may think your situation is unique because of X, but we've answered your question uh, to others before. 100% uh, in agreement. Establish your business license by incorporating yeah. an LLC. Okay. Uh, get a corresponding banking account. Cool. Keep your business and personal finances separate. That's business 101 for any business. So excellent. A competent accountant should be your ally during this process. Okay. I'm no lies detected here. Yeah, uh, this is good. Yeah. Three, spend the money on an attorney who truly understands your business to get a solid MSA. You'll either spend this money on an attorney now or you spend it on court costs later. Um, and I, I would even extend that. Even if you never actually end up going to court, you are going to realize the value of a solid MSA because you'll have enough conversations that your MSA could have solved. And at some point, you're 100%. going to spend the money. I mean, that's that's more like... You're going to spend the money, lose it on time, dealing with a oh, client yeah. dispute otherwise, even if you settle or whatever you end up doing. Yeah, and especially he's not a... You know, Brad Gross is definitely not a sponsor. He's just somebody I, I trust uh, very much. He has pre-made MSAs. He's not the only MSP attorney. There's plenty of others if you search. Um, but there's several in our space nowadays <clears throat> that have ready-to-go MSAs that'll tailor it to your business. Um, so it's not as super expensive thing as it used to be. Um, first tool you need is an RMM, then comes your PSA, at which point you start down. Man, I, I kind of disagree with that order. That was the first one I disagreed with, so I'm glad to hear you say that. So. If you had nothing but a PSA, I mean, MSPs existed before RMS. I guess yeah. they existed before PSAs too. But given the choice, I would much rather have a ticketing system and drive around town than the opposite. How many how many companies have you seen on Reddit, uh, especially solo, you know, one person operator that say, I can't get my client to stop calling my cell phone or texting me? Well, that's the ticketing system you introduced when you started your business because yeah. you chose to get an RMM first or you chose to do something else first. <clears throat> I agree with you 100%. CRM first in my opinion, then PSA. There's free CRMs, there's free P there's free ticketing systems. Um, PSA obviously is the evolution of both. Um, so if you can afford it, get it and there's PSAs nowadays at every uh, every finance uh, possibility. Um, 
just get something to track it. Um, Man, but just to track your billing, right? Imagine yeah. invoicing without tracking time in any way. That was misery. Uh, I've been there, done that. Uh, Outlook, Excel sheet, a safe managed manner to remotely connect to things. Yeah, none of this. You're not wrong. That that's kind of all you need. It, seriously, I. I I'd build, I agree hundred percent, build the processes first and then come on second. Do worry about the tools. And it's funny because the next line is do not fall into the trap of buying a shiny tool and complicating your stack. When it's hundred percent, we should see if we can sticky that or highlight that. Somewhere. Yeah. This is just that that's money right there. This guy should be charging for that advice right there. Um, review your vendor contracts or have them reviewed by your attorney. Watch for terms, expiration, termination windows. This is something I didn't do early. Uh, it took me about two years to start doing this, um, get in the habit of, but it would have made my life so much easier if I had from day one. Um, it, it's it's an interesting point because while I do agree that you should review everything you're signing, the reality is you don't have very much leverage in these negotiations. And most of the time, especially with SaaS vendors, you can accept the terms or not. Um, unless they really want your sale, you're not going to have much opportunity to redline it. Yeah. Um, I will say as somebody who almost never accepts redlines to his own contracts, um, there are very few things I've ever had to push back on with the vendor where I felt it was worth the conversation and I'd be willing to back out if it wasn't um, acceptable. Um, in every one of those situations, they were actually pretty, um, pretty, pretty amenable. Um, there were not big changes. I was not asking to change venue. Um, I was not asking. It, there were more along the lines of like uplift, uplift cadences or um, termination uh, modes, right? When, yeah, or like change a deadline to yeah. 60 days from 30 or something like that. Yeah, those things are typically malleable. Um, I think the far greater thing from that, that line, though, is document the expiration dates and their uh, notice periods in yeah. whatever platform, in Excel, and Outlook, whatever the hell you want to do. Um, because the last thing you want to do is want to look at this new shiny tool and then have to go figure out, because uh, you didn't you ignored the previous rule, and then you went and you couldn't figure out when your contract expires or when to give notice. Uh, for or, sure. Yeah, or you got auto-renewed for another three-year contract and you weren't expecting it. Um, that's 100% yeah. foreseeable. Right. And, and don't let my cynicism indicate that you shouldn't read it, right? E even if it's not changeable, you might read something from a potential supplier and decide yeah. that doesn't work for me and we're just going to go with someone else. Definitely yeah. understand what you're agreeing to. But you heard Matt Topper of ConnectWise. You never need to buy a, C a PSA or an RMM ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone watches this. Yeah, that'd be funny though. I, I know at least two ConnectWise people that do watch this. Um, I don't think any could have any say in your employment at all. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think you're safe there. All right. Oh, I love number seven. And I'd probably put this higher. Get connected to a peer group. We might be competition depending on service area, but we're also friends in a very niche industry. Treat others with respect. You will earn respect in return. I'd probably put that at number one. Uh, I mean, talk to others, see what their challenges are when they were first starting. Use that yeah. to guide my business plan a little bit. Um, <laughs> Dean is already uh, messaging McGee. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> But I guess I could stay on a lot longer then. Yeah, yeah, we're good then. We're good. Uh, we'll just do bits and books from MSP Community Live. Not a problem. <laughs> um, um, you, you know, so so one point with that, most peer groups will really try to not put you with local geographic competitors. That likely won't be an issue. Yeah. 
So let's qualify this then there. Uh, there's peer groups like Barry McKinley, TBG, uh, HTG. Um, there's those that are paid to join peer groups. And then there's other peer groups like RMSP, Tech Tribe. That's what I'm referring to when I talk about joining. Um, I would think a paid peer group from day one may be a little too... I think it might get overwhelming, honestly. Um, you know, definitely show you the right things to monitor, that kind of stuff. But I feel, I know if I had joined, and I did Chartech, I did True Methods, um, I did quite a few of them over the years. But I know if I would have joined those from year one, even, um, I would have been, there's too much hair on fire stuff. I would not have been too, uh, been able to. Chartech was probably the one exception because they taught you, it was very much a, this is what we did, you can copy it. Um, so it was very much a cheat mm-hmm. sheet. And now this is more than half a decade old experience. So, you know, <laughs> trust, but verify, but, um, yeah, but no, that was one that's of the a good point. But I think like, if you start talking about financials year one, week one, you know what I mean? Like that's going to get really tough. It, it, it's a little bit of a mixed thing. Um, and, and without this being a pitch, I saw our business transform when we joined HGG. You know, it was a night and day difference as far as the formality to which we were tracking things and the maturity that came along with that. And on on some perspective, right, it was difficult because all of a sudden we have tons and tons of data we're supposed to collect and tons of metrics that we needed to bring to the meetings. But the work and the processes that we had to develop to be able to even collect some of this data really helped with the maturity and things that we were looking at. And it's one of those things where I wonder if it would have been easier to do some of that stuff when we were even smaller, more agile. I would. This is one of those I would love to hear from the MSPs um, because you know Matt and I are both fairly removed from starting an MSP for a minute now. Um, so I would definitely love to hear from some MSPs uh, because yeah, I, I my side of it is. Um, and Dean brings up a good point. If you're not able to contribute back because you don't have the financial data, you don't have stuff, you may not be a good fit for the, for the, but mm-hmm. also the peer groups generally align people that are in the similar stage, right? Also, it's not just financial, not just geography. Um, so, you know, hopefully that should help with some of that. I just, the financial reporting, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm a hundred percent all in on peer groups. I just worried like some of the financial reporting, some of the feedback, might be too much. Like when I did C level, I had time set apart for the changes we were requested to do every week. And even right. a weekly cadence is hard. Um, but I had staff and stuff ready to go for that. Um, yeah, it, it's give and take, right? I yeah. mean, in, in some ways, it's nice to have that understanding of what good looks like from those peer groups at an early stage. Yep. But you're right, it's a lot of work. Yeah. I'm curious who's done it. I, I'd love to get real world experience from that from some of the MSPs because um, I'm sure there's people that done both, right? There are people that did it later like I did. And there's people like they've done from day one, like you're recommending. So I'd love to hear some real world experiences on that. Um, I'm not sure I'm recommending it necessarily. I'm saying it could be an option. <laughs> so, so we, we also okay. were at least a few years into this when, when HTG came around. And, and so it's the same perspective, right? We, we weren't quite figuring out how to tread water. We had, figured out that stuff but we were still small enough that we could make significant changes without major disruption i think there's benefit to doing it in that stage before you get so far along that you know some of these changes are like massive process overhauls i think you and i are 100 on that um that i would agree with 100 like 
don't wait forever for this thing. Don't wait till you feel you're you have a bunch of people. I you know while I'm saying I wouldn't do this probably year one, I definitely do it within the first two or three years. Um, by that point, you have enough financial data, you have enough um, ticketing data, you have your processes uh, that are probably not perfect or probably nowhere near perfect. That suddenly, I think that's where you're probably going to get the best bang for the buck out of these starting from that point. Um, <clears throat> yeah. SLI that is no joke. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like ITIL, right? ITIL is a real pain in the ass if you do it to the letter too. So um, let's see. Uh, getting clients in the beginning is as simple as asking for referrals, connecting with centers of influence, having a simple website, door knocking, shaking hands. I feel like happy data for Jesus uh, just read all my previous posts. And just <laughs> I mean, he, he's obviously been down this road before, and and yeah. I don't disagree with anything, right? Our one disagreement so far was an order of operations thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, yeah. And then as you are able, outsource the tasks you're not good at or are no longer suitable use of your time. That's going to change over time, but that's why I harp so much on the business plan. You're going to see, yeah, we do need accounting. That's you know at least reconciled monthly or whatever. We need to do the invoicing. Do I have time to do the invoicing? Do I want to do the invoicing? That's going to temper what who you hire and how quickly you hire. And because you have that list already, you know what the salary goal should be. So you know how much money you need to make to support those things. Like it, it's, it's very much a recipe, right? Uh, agreed. It, it's one of those things that just changes as the um, type of company you are changes, right? When you're in startup mode and you hear something like CEO or CFO, um, you're talking about somebody who does the bookkeeping and someone who happens to be the boss as to, uh, depending on later on, when you're a CFO, you're truly doing financial work where you're truly thinking vision and you stepped out yeah. of the day to day. It just, it changes as you get bigger. Yeah. I mean, CFO is doing strategy and, you know, examining like, stuff like our ERC credits or, um, you know, retention <clears throat> credits or um, planning for tax savings for, for the following year, or planning out budgets for five years from now. Um, yeah. That visionary stuff. I mean, the CFO is basically the visionary for the finance realm for a company. Um, and when you're five people, the CFO is generating the invoices. Right. <laughs> exactly. If your CEO is not right. Um, so yeah, a hundred percent. So, you know, look through where you want to be. I think the one, um, and somebody did fight back saying, uh, that you may not need an RMM now or even ever. That's a whole other conversation. I don't think we're at the point of not needing any RMM yet. I would very much like to, um, sorry, Matt's employer. Um, I would very much like to get to the point where we don't need an RMM, but I don't think we're there yet uh, or anywhere close. What, what I think is that <clears throat> I could see the definition of RMM changing over time, but the need for something to centrally manage configurations across clients, I don't think will ever oh, go away. Yeah. The What is an RMM can be a fluid term and a fluid yeah. definition. Yeah, I, th I think our definition today of installing an agent somewhere to run a bunch of scripts, I think that definition of RMM will probably go away at some point in the next 10 to 15 years. Um, I think a quality RMM will focus more on something like what SIP's doing, leveraging cloud and on-premise. Uh, well, SIP only does cloud, but leveraging um, those resources and providing an orchestration platform, right? For those of us that have ever used SCCM, 
it was invaluable if you once you learned how to use it it was a beast to learn um i could say the same thing about azure or entra i could say the same thing about 365 um they're a beast to learn but once you learn to manage it they're invaluable um you definitely want and i think the rmm is going to become that orchestration layer um to tie it i, I think uh the definition is in the name, right? Yeah. The literal remote monitoring and management. You need that functionality, whether it comes from an agent or built into or whatever down the yeah. road, um, that may change. Yeah, and that and that's what I think we'll see. Um, and I would even argue for those that are saying RMM needs to go away, at that point, RMM is going to become even more invaluable um, because shadow IT is a thing monitoring all these disparate platforms are far more difficult because you can't just go to WMIC and pick all the installed applications. That doesn't work with cloud. <laughs> so It doesn't work that. now, right? It won't get stuff that's <laughs> in your local that. profile. Exactly. But you get what I'm saying? Like as those things evolve and Microsoft is making it evolve, um, you definitely are going to have to, the balls, uh, the goal is moving and RMMs are going to have to catch up. Um, what's up? Uh, I think Acronis is Baga, Baganin, uh, which is coming to the States uh, very soon. So very excited. Uh, hopefully get to hang out with him. So thanks for joining, dude. Appreciate you. Um, there was some good feedback here uh, that I want to co cover before we get to the next story. Um, some people were talking about the search, how subreddit search sucks. Um, and they were saying, just go to Google or yep. yeah, and do that. I actually do exactly that when I'm searching. Um, and it works really well. I end up doing that for a lot. Reddit seems to have a lot of good not on tech stuff, at least. Yeah. Don't don't do it for uh, personal advice or almost anything outside of tech. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, Reddit, like SEO for me and for my company at Reddit is phenomenal, right? Like it shows up on every search. Like they're the indexing is great. It's funny that Reddit's own search is so deplorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's when, so bad you know what i mean considering it's so gritty oh he's already in tampa awesome good to see good to hear it baga um which we call it uh yeah so that's funny so i thought you know in case anybody's not doing that just site colon whatever website you want to search and then your search term in google uh will search that website we should have like a whole episode on cool google dorks oh yeah i would love that we can even put some of the google games in the <laughs> in there too <laughs> um uh, well, you need an RMM for, RMS, for MSP. I agree, sort of implies yes, but does your RMM need to be everything to fill every need to everybody? Nope. There's some, uh, I like that there's some good conversations here and very, very few are tool driven. So, oh, hey, yeah. there's, a, there's a familiar face. Where have I seen that name before? Oh, wait, <laughs> here. Um, are you doing this because you want to get paid doing something you love? Are you doing this to start a viable business, much like other established low entry barrier industries? It's likely not enough to only be in it to do something you love. You need to be a business owner first and an amazing tech second. Have a plan. Configuring firewalls, fixing printers is less than half the battle. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I, I agree because we already said it. I agree, I agree 100%. We agree. Um, all right, so while we bring up the next one, say hello to a few people in the audience. Say, hey, Josh, uh, thanks for being on, dude. Uh, hardest part of Reddit lockdown was not being able to use the Google search for Reddit posts. Does that not work anymore? So the the subreddits that participated in the blackout oh, um, yeah, would yeah, still yeah. show in Google searches, but you couldn't visit them. Uh, what did I tell? 
let's do the uh, the best one, which RMM. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which RMM <clears throat> okay, so that still works. Uh, and if anybody knows how to put a dark mode for uh, for Reddit, please let me know. Um, all right, so let's move over to this one. Uh, out of scope work. Uh, this one you you uh, you had nominated. Tell us why you nominated this one. So the reason I thought this would make a good discussion is I had clients that did this, that we were mostly an all-you-can-eat shop, and we had one or two clients that wanted to do everything hourly. Um, now, in one case, I was totally fine with this because this was, uh, I won't name them, but they were the type of client that absolutely never complained about the number of hours that this generated. Um, okay. So so actually, I think in most months, they ended up doing more work than the <clears throat> the agreement would have been otherwise. And so, okay, I'm fine with this. Um, but I was fine with it because they were one of those, they only wanted or needed my help on something, right? And, and if mm. you have a lot of clients like this, it's extremely disruptive to the routine that the rest of your staff is going through. So I, I guess the question becomes, do you work with clients like this? Does it make sense or is it too different than how the rest of your client base operates for it to make sense? Um, you know, should, should I have even done that in your opinion? So I, I thought it would make an interesting discussion or debate. Sounds good. I, I like it. Um, and def definitely been in that position too, where it just didn't make any sense to me, but you know, we had those clients that wanted everything hourly. Uh, so it goes clients using out of scope to turn us back into break fix or clients building their own stacks via out of scope rates. We started taking on break fix clients about four years ago. It's been a worthwhile transition uh, or we stopped taking on better said. Um, yeah. We've seen an annoying slow creep tendency of some of our clients, ones we had both before and after the managed services transition towards doing whatever they want and just paying the out of scope rate for it. Oh, so that's different. Yeah, that's that's uh, that I'd be less okay with. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, clients find a way, man. Uh, clients find a great deal on 10 computers in Amazon, buy them, put the ticket for us to set them up. <laughs> we tell them we should have talked to us before, they don't meet minimum spec, they're out of scope. Client shrugs and says, Okay, bill me. I got a great deal on them. Um, this sucks because. I've done this before in the sense of like, I've talked about using consumer or prosumer SSD drives versus enterprise drives, um, being self-insurance. This is, uh, ouch, this sucks. Um, client agrees to use a new SaaS app and their all-in-one business management app uh, as their all-in-one business management app. It violates every security practice known to man, <laughs> hard-coded passwords, no SSO. Yep. Uh, we tell them we can't support it and ask if we can just bill out of scope when they need help. <laughs> Oh, tell me the transition. Is this all the same client? If so, oh, this, this client's got to go. This is, yeah, this is a bad client. Um, I kind of don't want it to be all the same client because the amount of shitstorm this is just get better and better. Um, but that's totally trolling. Let me, let me be clear. Um, client finds MFA annoying so they can ask us to disable, are willing to sign whatever, we, whatever waiver we offer them. Yeah, I know if it melts down, you can bill me out of scope for it. Okay, I don't want to keep reading. This is painful. <laughs> So oh. it it, it kind of depends. Um, the the home PC one I might let go, depending on how many we're talking about. Like if it's two computers, the the problem is that um, not only will the client forget that they agreed to pay 
support on it later on when something happens, you will go through an administrative hassle to even remember to do that. And so you, you got to be just okay taking the hit on that if you're going to accept it, because chances are you will never get paid for any work you do on it besides the initial install. And if it's one computer, maybe. If it's 10, probably not. I don't think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I... um. Yeah, this is one of those things that like I'd sit down and I get it. It's the we should have these on Wednesdays so we can say it's the fire your client change your RMM Wednesdays. But my thing is, if you have a client that's that out of alignment with the way you MSP, that should be the conversation. You obviously have these needs. We don't want to be the ones to tell you you can't do what you need to do. But this is not how we conduct business. Let's have a conversation about transitioning. Yeah. Um, because don't get me wrong, I bet all the out of scope work billables are nice, but how much is it hurting your help desk? You know, it's context switching, right? When you have a, you know, you have a bunch of staff that haven't had to worry about upgrading home to pro ever, and they haven't had to worry around designing, working around uh, RAM constraints or software constraints or hardware constraints, and now they have to for this one client. Not to mention, there's no way in hell you're doing QBRs and once a year you're talking about your hardware refreshes when you have no say in that. You have no agency on the hardware. It just, it's not possible. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is this is a client I would nope out of uh, fairly quickly. Yeah, um, if, if this is all one client, forget it. Terrible with yeah. it. Um, as far as out of scope in general, I think it's very case by case. It depends on what it is and how far a deviation it is from your standard and what the support burden is going to be for whatever they're asking you to do. Like for, for example, in most organizations, the no MFA has got to be a hard no at this point. But if you're talking about somebody who wants to use Dell and we're all on HP, that might be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's the thing. I mean, there's workaround, there's reasonable workarounds and there's stuff that's just completely off the table. Um, he does give, uh, the OP does give some excellent questions. What is your out of scope, scope rate and minimum? I don't think that's honestly relevant to solving this problem. Um, what are things that a client could do that would cause you to drop them rather than billing out of scope? Uh, I think that's a really good question. And have you ever gotten to the point where a client, we realize you're not really doing managed service anymore because they're just doing whatever they want? I think he realizes this is yes. this to me screams single client based on everything else they put. Um, so I want to focus on this. What are some things a client would do that would cause you to drop them? Because that's the line you're talking about, right? Some out of scope things are okay. Some, this is just not what we do. Um, I will say one of the posts, um, none of the posts blame the op for this um and it's not about blaming op but you got to realize if they're willing to have this conversation you might have done something to invite that as an option for them um i would only look at it not in a beat yourself up thing but in a let me be aware of this for the next client so that i don't put myself in this situation again even if it's a minimal amount of accountability you know because this sounds like a bulldozer client but Still, it's something that, you know, doesn't hurt to uh, be a little introspective on. So, Matt, what are those things that you would just, clients got to go? Like, where's that line for out-of-scope work? So, security things are a big one. Partial bias because I'm a security person. But, but we should I, all I am not a big believer in those will sign a waiver kind of things or any of that stuff. If you don't align on security priorities, 
they, they got to, and, and that's not to say clients need to ask for it, right? Remember that you are the professional as the MSP. It's not like you go to your plumber and say, I want copper pipe versus PVC or whatever. You, you don't know. Um, or at least I don't. Um, so security is a big one. And for requests that they have out of scope, <clears throat> it, it's really a, a supportability question. If, if they want to use a different hardware brand or a different application or, or something, I am probably okay with that if after an examination it meets the requirements and I don't feel it's going to be a big support burden. That That's really the question. Can I support this with existing processes without them being a big exception? And if they're an exception, then, then I might... I might not do it anyway. Right? There, there comes a point where, yes, you can pay me hourly for this, but if my support desk needs to go read a whole different procedure and hit a different line on the flowchart for this client, then it's not worth it. Um, so so what, what happened with us is that our pro services department handled clients like that. So ones that were not doing um, normal things or out of support things, they left the managed services team for the most part and became hourly like it was somebody who came off the street kind of support and if they were okay with it making that trade-off then then we would continue working with them on the basis of you're not necessarily you know the, the support desk sla is gone right it, it's yeah. very different working that way um so that, that's a long-winded way of saying it really depends on what they were changing and how much they're okay with the associated support changes that come with going out of scope or out of standard? I would say um, I don't mind the LOB app so much if they're willing to pay for a support contract with the vendor. Like if I know I have that extra resource that we can rely on the vendor and it's under management with the vendor, I'm more open to that. Um, I'm okay with that. Um, if we're buying aftermarket hardware or non-new non hardware, um, and we have warranties for them with same day or next business day replacement, I probably wouldn't fight that. And you can't really get that with a home PC anyway, um, out of Best Buy for sure. Um, if it's something like you said, if it's something that's gonna detract from my support team or the rest of my team's ability to do their jobs in an effective way and may lead to a less than, uh, a less than ideal service delivery to the client, which we're ultimately responsible for, um, that's probably where I draw the line. That's where I'd be, you know, I'm sorry, we just can't do this. Um, an example would be, like you said, the security thing. No, yeah. we're not going to use MFA. Then we're not, this is not the client. This is not you. I can't go to Costco and say, I want to start using my Amex again because you used to have allow Amex. Like that doesn't work. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Or, or if, it, right, let's say you use Proofpoint, right? And you have one client that decides they want Mimecast. Um, yeah. I'm not getting into that because now my support desk has to learn a completely separate filtering system and have to troubleshoot it and all of that. Exactly. Yeah, we've had those before. Um, we had a major manufacturing <clears throat> client, uh, a global one, and they paid for their own ESET. Um, and they had, I want to say 30 offices, something like that, that we were managing across the globe. Um, and there was nothing wrong with ESET. They had the appropriate licenses. It was, they had the appropriate management. The problem was we didn't have any automation built around it. We didn't have any mm. of our tools and we didn't charge for antivirus anyway. Like it was a thing of like, 
his argument was we paid for it already and let us use it. My argument was, well, you don't have internal IT. It's us managing it. We're not charging you a penny extra for it. We're going to use the tools we knew. Um, and that was one of those I was willing to draw a hard line on. I was like, it doesn't affect you financially in the least bit. It doesn't affect your user. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a quality of life thing. Um, that one came up all the time. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is about like takeovers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and the conversation always went, not only are we not charging for it, you are paying for our antivirus anyway. Like they ever ask you if they can discount the MSA by a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, so we're, we're using this one that you're already paying for and yeah. you know, too bad on the eight months that you have left on the old contract. Yeah. Um, yeah, stuff like that, you know, and, and I've told him, and like, I use also like our onboarding is raising is where we raise the tide to everything. Um, you know, we'll take care of this during onboarding because we've already included in the scope of onboarding. If we right. have to do this as a project later, you're, then it's going to be a financial <laughs> impact, right? <laughs> like, right. Let's right. do it for the thing you've already paid for. And we already agreed to. Um, so those are always fun. I'd love to hear from more MSPs on the MSP uh, Media Network Discord. Um, Matt, uh, we're going to cut a little early because we have bits and books at 11 o'clock uh, with Marnie Stockman going over the second half of Patrick Lentioni's uh, Getting Naked, which is fun. Um, but before we do that, Matt, what do you have coming up, dude? What do you got going on? Hmm. I should have prepared something. <laughs> you know, I ask <clears throat> every week. So. I know. I, I should have anticipated this. <laughs> yeah, it's all really good, not much going on this week. Nothing noteworthy. Um, continuing to get ready for connect. That's kind of the main the things going thing. on there. There's a lot of planning around that, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited for connect too. We're actually, I, we have what less than a month and change away. Um, I decided last minute we're going to redo, get a brand new booth just for Connect. Uh, well, it's going to be for all next year too, but I'm trying to get it done before Connect. So nice, nice. Fun. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Uh, so let's see what else we got coming up. Uh, this is community live episode twelve bits and books uh, in <clears throat> twelve minutes uh, on this same network. Just stay on YouTube.com/slash MSP Media Network or follow us on LinkedIn uh, or on Facebook. It's there. On Tuesday, wins and losses, uh, Jason Slagle and myself. Let's see if I get into the 550s. Uh, and then we have AI Roundup, uh, episode 29. AI Roundup is always good. Uh, whether it's uh, giant people or crazy stuff going on. Uh, and then we have MSP Dispatch, um, presented by Tony Francisco and myself every Tuesday and Friday. Uh, Tuesdays at 10 and Friday just before MSP Community Live. So it's nice to have it. Um, that's it. That's all she wrote for today's episode. Uh, two stories instead of three, but I like that we had these were really involved stories uh, that definitely were worth talking about. So I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, went deeper. It was nice. Yeah. And to the MSP audience, thanks for hanging out with us. Hope to see you on Bits and Books. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Thanks, guys. This has been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network.